I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Home of the GA Hour Football Acker. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shot next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So I was thinking during the week, um, actually didn't mention it on Monday, is all four... Super 8 matches last week were hammerings, right? Like, all three of the matches covered a handicap. Tyrone didn't, but they were right on the minus four. And I remember after the first round last year, there was absolute uproar about how terrible these Super 8s were. And this Monday, everyone's kind of positive about them. When they were all hammerings this year as well. And maybe it's because each team made a game of it most you know the, except for Mayo didn't make much of a game of it yeah. but in the other games Cork made a game of it which was a surprise Mead ma- made a game of it which was a surprise and Roscommon I suppose you know were only beaten by four but like I mean Tyrone were never losing that in the second half I just I, ju- I just crossed my mind how the same uproar about these awful Super 8s isn't there this year so you're being positive about the football championship? <laughs> yeah. it's this, maybe it's the provincial grounds that all Could four be. games I think so. looked like a good, maybe not the Croke Park one, but that was such a good game and Cork shocked us that that kind of overruled the Croke yeah. Park being half empty. But the other grounds, like, you know, Kerry Mayo was a great occasion, even though it was a one-sided game. Yeah, they started in Croke Park last year, didn't they? Yeah, they started the, in Croke Park. Yeah, the World Cup yeah. final last year. Oh, jeez, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Kerry game was on at the same time yeah. as the World Cup final. And... Um, the Dublin Donegal game last year, remember uh, Dublin were keeping possession for the last ten minutes. Yeah, and then Kerry Galway was a terrible game the day after. The day after, yeah, yeah. So rain as well as so maybe the weather comes into. But it, it is a lesson though, lads. The provincial grounds, like I mean, you can't yeah. beat those home. You can't beat those home venues. So even though all four games were very once turned out to be one sided contest, no one was complaining mm. because there were good bloody yeah. you know good think, atmospheres. I think that's what Porrick Duffy had envisioned in the first place as to what it could be. Like everyone was on about how brilliant it was for the local economy as well to have. 
have like Killarney was packed, Bally Buffet was packed, and like there's there's probably a case to be made now that the neutral venues, even the neutral round, be taken out of Cobar yeah. and yeah. given to a provincial so. yeah. venue because it'll do a lot for the economy and just for the atmosphere around towns that you don't your county doesn't have to be necessarily involved in the Super Eight. I think that's a great idea. I think Croke Park should be taken out of the reckoning until all are in semi final. Then when do you use our national stadium? Is another argument that's going yeah. to be used as well if you can't use them for this. But I take your point. I think the neutral game should be the neutral one in in Ulster should be Clonus. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. could go Moore Park or Connor Park in in Leinster and bring bring those games mm. all over the country. But just on the Super 8 lads, because it looks like Group um, 2 is going to be done this weekend. Let's hang be on, honest. Hang on, which is Group 2 and which is Group so that's 1? That's Dublin Tyrone. I right. think Dublin Tyrone group is Group 2. Dublin Tyrone are both going to win. And then that's it. So it's a dead rubber in the last game between Roscommon and Cork. And what's worse, it's a dead rubber between Dublin and Tyrone. They're both through and they're just going to play silly beggars in the last game, right? So that's it. At least Group 1 will most likely go down to the final day. Like, I mean, if Mead beat Mayo... Um, it'll go down to the final day because Mead will have something to play for and Mayo will be out if Mayo beat Mead obviously they'll be in it against Donegal you know and, vi- and the other games I think the way that's turned out there will be ga- t- there will be yeah, matches to there'll play be, for there'll, the be some, there'll be some to play for from a Mayo perspective like oh, everyone is everyone is rooting for Kerry to beat Donegal because if Donegal beat Kerry then it's likely to come down to a score difference between Mayo and Donegal Mayo and Mayo have it. already been beaten by 9 points and Donegal haven't beaten Mead by 9 points it'll take a serious turnaround so oh, yeah. so fingers crossed Kerry beat Donegal on Sunday Yeah I need to give Joe McQuillan a shout out here because uh, I, I like to think it's not often I get things wrong on this show because when I do people are queuing up to tell me I got things wrong <laughs> Right? So I said McQuillan gave a free last week against Frank Burns and all the stuff about Senna doing good sideline reporting, that's all fine. Um, I thought the referee blew Frank Burns for taking that or collecting that short kick out. He was bang on the line. Um, it was actually Paul Brennan who was on the other side. I got a screenshot of this and everything. <laughs> <laughs> From Joe McQuillan. I, st- <laughs> I still think it's a very harsh call because Paul uh, Brennan was on the other side, completely other side of the field to Frank Burns who received it you know so it was still a, it was still a, a harsh call but it was a fair call because he was encroached on it so listen Joe hold my hands up when I'm wrong Ter- <laughs> terrible news here coming out to break into this morning lads about Owen Van Gallagher um, apparently he's broken his ankle which is just it, ah, it's t- you know when you kind of get a, a body blow imagine how I feel a body blow imagine mm. him his teammates yeah. and the Donegal supporters that he was in uh, in all-star form huge weapon for Donegal you'd love to have seen him against Kerry and now it looks like his season's open with a, o- over with a broken ankle horrific yeah a, bo- a body blow for the, the football championship almost because we were looking at Donegal as the, the great sort of competitors to Dublin and one of their best players is gone again as you said is a weapon like you know the, the use mm. of Ryan McHugh and Owen Van Gelder it yeah. works together like you know because there's two of them and you can't just focus on one player so Oh, like I actually felt really flat when you told me that today. It was just like, no, like, yeah. we want these boys taking on Dublin. Yeah, I unfortunately, that's it. And Darrow Boyle probably would be the obvious one mm. to come in. A good hard runner. Or McHugh, maybe. Like, you come maybe. in, and not, not as a wing back. Yeah, but not as a wing back. I think Darrow Boyle could play that wing back role that he plays. Probably not as well. And Darrow yeah. Boyle was such a good option from the bench that it does absolutely weakens Donegal a lot. I'd know it was going to happen, but I was looking forward to this titanic battle between Owen Ball and Gallagher and Stephen O'Brien on Sunday yeah. whether they would have matched up I think Rochford might have I, some no, rabbit no. to pull out of the hat no but. no no the McFadden Ferry is a guaranteed to man mark Stephen O'Brien okay. we'll talk about that in matchups <laughs> yeah. that's a guaranteed fact he's their go-to man marker and he's not going to mark Clifford so Stephen O'Brien is the man you mark next oh I think so okay. but then yeah, who, who marks Clifford 
Who marks Clifford? We'll get to that. <laughs> relax, <laughs> relax, lads. This is the poor, start of the show. Oh, relax now, relax now, relax. Mickey Hart had a quote during the week here, and we were—I I was thought it was a—he's—he's he's acting the maggot because we we're talking on the hurling show about Liam Sheedy after the after the semi-final win against Leash. He said Wexford are going to be raging hot favourites, and I was wondering why do managers still do that nonsense about the favourites tagging? Like it ma- makes any difference. Mickey Hart said, it's an important step and now we see how we go against Cork next week. Roscommon, Cork and ourselves have figured out that we're probably playing for second place here because we're in a group with the All-Ireland champions who are going for five in a row. So realistically, we're all chasing that second place and to get a win in the first game give- gives us a head start. <laughs> he is not saying that to his players. I, I just, again, you just wonder why they say that. Like, I mean, does he think Dublin are going to kind of be lulled into a false sense of security because <laughs> Mickey Hart's saying, look, we're all playing for second place? The yeah. most important thing here is he's mentioned five in a row. He's got that back in people's yeah, yeah. heads again. Do you, know what I mean? <laughs> you know, Jim Gavin tried to deflect attention with the Jim McConnelly news. Now we're back talking about the five in a row again, which is the most yeah. important the, thing. I yeah. Think, yeah. The problem with that that game as well is that it's obviously a week out from the semi final, and none of them, both of them, are going to be through. That's Dublin. the problem. That's the problem. We'll see a lot of shadow boxing up yeah. there. So they're not even looking to take a scalp or anything. If it was two weeks out from the semi final, Tyrone might like to beat Dublin on their home patch and have that in their belt going forward. But a week out, they'll not play their full team. Dublin definitely won't. And like it's going to be a toss up between playing either Mayo, Kerry, or Donegal. Well, so it doesn't say, really matter if you come first. Depending yeah. on how the results go this weekend, they might know who they're playing if, if if Kerry beat Donegal right Kerry are going to top the group because they'd be they'd have yeah. the better head-to-head of, of either Mayo or Donegal oh, yeah. so then it might depend well, on when it goes to three it goes to score oh, difference that's not true. head-to-head yeah. 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 so yeah. it depends don't be ruling me out here lads we're <laughs> going to get to this yeah. because you'll f- I'm not I'm listen not, I'm if you didn't learn not. from 96 or 2009 <laughs> that Mead have a bit of a thing over Mayo do, and Mayo are a little bit bruised yeah. and if Mead beat Mayo this weekend they've Kerry at home in Park Talton and they'll set fire to it. They're not afraid of it. I am 100% either. not ruling me out. <laughs> well, I think you just did now. And we have a lot of Mead listeners. I think you did. You listed three teams and Mead weren't one of them, buddy. <laughs> you didn't give me time to mention the fourth. That was the problem. Okay, so there's a couple of managerial vacancies quickly. Um, we're just going to get through these. Keen O'Neill stepped down from Kildare. Um, pretty nice statement. Pretty honest statement as well. He said, I was a proud Kildare man. It was an honour to have been given the opportunity to work with exceptional group of players boring then he says unfortunately the success of I thought this was the honest part unfortunately the success of consecutive promotions from Division 3 to Division 1 a first Leinster final in 8 years and progression to the Super 8s in 2018 were met with equal disappointment across all these four years where frustratingly we didn't always reach our potential as a group so I thought that last bit was important because it's true they made progress in all the years, but there's other some poor performances and, and enough to go, are Kildare there or are they not? Or what is their story? And uh, it, it could have it very easily finished that with his promotion 3-1, to one, Leinster final appearance, Super 8 appearance, I did great. Do you know what I mean? But at least he drew attention and it's not like the general trend of managers now in saying, uh, we'll talk about another one in a second, um, <laughs> You know, that everything was rosy in the garden. So, you know, so I think he deserves a bit of credit for that. It looks like Glenn Ryan is nailed on, lads, to to take over the Kildare job. He's a Kildare legend. He was over the under 21s to when they got, when they won an under 21 or an under, twi- under 21 uh, title and another final appearance. Um, and he's been Longford manager from 09 to 2013. So he has the credentials. 
there's another couple in, in the mix as well Jack O'Connor who's uh, young lads are involved with Moorfield and Davy Burke mm. um, who is the under 20 um, All-Ireland winning manager so they're in the mix I think Glenn Ryan is nailed on um, the other news is affecting your county uh, Conan so this is the spin this is the spin man this is the mm. man who says we've done uh, we've made brilliant progress this year so he just got them back into Division 3 which he got them relegated out of last <laughs> yeah, year yeah. which is fantastic so he only won one championship match and that was against Wexford in three years yeah. so he didn't win one championship match last year this year now to be fair in his defence they were beaten by a lot of very good teams um, yeah three Division 1 teams in his five championship games in his five championship games yeah so yeah. Leash was the one really so last year Kildare and was it Donegal beat them and this year Tyrone and uh, Leash beat Leash. Them. who beat Derry in the championship last year I think it could have been Donny. I think uh, it was Donegal Tyrone beat them well no it was Donegal was last year. year yeah Donegal and last Kildare year Kildare put them out yeah Donegal year. and Kildare last year and this year it's Tyrone put them out then they beat Wexford and lost to Leash so t- to be fair th- this is Damien uh, McArlane McArlane um, so he stepped down in Derry and uh, the county board said it's with regret that they accepted his resignation um, it's hard to know I'm, what, what's the Derry public thinking about this Colin yeah like well a lot of people are sort of saying what you're saying like we're sort of back to where we started when he took over now yeah. he's a good man he's been there for five years with the underage as well so he has done a lot of work but yeah we're back at the same spot but I was thinking when he took over Derry had been relegated from Division 2 so it's not like they were this Division 3 team do you know and now we went to 4 and yeah, 3 yeah. and we actually came down from Division 2 and should have been looking to go up in my opinion Yeah. Um, and it has just come off the back of Damien Burton who a lot of people weren't their biggest fan of but like, he got us to round 4 qualifier against Tipperary and had a really good game against Tipperary and you know almost made it to the quarterfinals and then like gave gave Mayo or Phil of it and then got put mm-hmm. out by them and Tyrone beat them in the Ulster Championship so they'd actually been doing alright under him got yeah. relegated from Division 2 and then Macaroon came in yeah. so. I've no problem with Damien the only problem I have with Damien is he's trying to dress up his two years as the positive thing that they've made progress you haven't made any progress you've yeah. done very little with the team other than relegate them in the league get them back up that's no progress and your championship record has been poor has to be put into context you've had a very unlucky draw Donegal Caldera that's not easy this year they should have been beating Leash at home so you can't dress up his two years as in any way progressive Yeah, right? I think that's fair enough um, Maliki O'Rourke I suppose he's been tipped for every job now <laughs> Yeah, um, he, he, he trained a loop in Derry so he'd know the ins and outs of Derry football and you know all those club rivalries that we keep hearing about and that's yeah, what affects yeah. the county team and this probably isn't true at all isn't that, isn't that right? Yeah the only thing that uh, worries me like you said that Derry said they reluctantly accepted his resignation Damien McIrlean so it made me think oh, they're probably not going to go after Malachi or work then because he was available no matter if you have a manager or not when Malachi or Rourke's available do you want them? and do you go after him and should have been yes to both of those but obviously they weren't thinking that way they were right. thinking about keeping McIrlean on board until he stepped down himself so I don't know I'd say O'Rourke might come with a few demands like looking to have things put in place and proper like you know proper backing and stuff I just don't know what the appetite is like in Derry for that yeah. um, they might go with somebody local there are still good options I think Paul McIver might be the favourite he's Brian's son and good club coach and he's worked underage with Derry as well so right. He might be the might man. lend a hand as well, Conan. There, get into the mix there, Go on, like, stop, like Brian Carroll on the hurling show. Put yeah, your shoulder yeah. to the wheel. Stop always talking about your your county without doing something about it. Right. So I want to finish up on this, lads. And these are the Sky Sports numbers. Now, there's something very, very unfair about about this. So you're reading the report. So 1,000 people in the UK watched um, the Mead Donegal game. Now, 
there's no context obviously this is Twitter so there's no context in <laughs> mm. saying that this is GEA on the same time as a Formula 1 Grand Prix Federer versus Djokovic um, in the in the tennis and what was the other huge thing cricket, World Cup cricket final World Cup cricket final, final. <laughs> yeah. so no one in England going to be watching it I'm wondering what the hell the thousand people are doing watching yeah. it like they're obviously Irish now another thing I think there was a, there was a time during this match when nobody was watching it which is that like that would make you laugh out loud right that nobody was watching it but again I don't think that's any big deal right so this is just a small sample of the population there's too much that interested English yeah, people yeah. aren't it now, apparently it was 14,000 for the Tyrone-Roscommon match the day before. So that's a much fairer figure than... It, it's Some fella from BBC tweets this out. It gets loads of traction, whatever. So, um, and then you have people comparing it to RTE's coverage of 314,000 um, on, the, on the Sunday who watched Kilkenny and Cork at the same time, at 43%. But that's free to air. Again, you can't get apples and oranges. You mm. can't compare Sky's numbers with RT's numbers. You're, you're not. Com- it's not comparable. And plus, Sky's numbers are massively skewed. I'm not. It's not that I'm defending Sky here, but I'm defending him in, in this instance. The, a pub could be packed in town because people that don't have Sky in their house, uh, and they're all watching it. That's not accounted for in this. This is households. So again, you're talking about forty-three percent share of the audience for RTE but surely the percentage of Sky's numbers should be the percentage of people that have Sky in Ireland then you're seeing a percentage of people yeah. that are actually watching that on on Sky because the people that don't have it are in someone else's house or in a pub watching it right so I just think Sky's numbers cannot, cannot be accurate maybe they like it that way yeah, it's it's also not a good like example. It's not like all Meave. It's not a blockbuster match. No, and like you use the Cork and Kilkenny was on at the same time. So even if you're in London and you're Irish, like I watched the Cork Kilkenny match as much as I, I love football and I love Donegal. Like that was a better match to watch. So. Like, even though it's not on Sky I would have watched it on GA Go or whatever and yep. not had Sky on 340,000 is reasonable for Donegal Mead I would have thought I know, that like was a, RTE yeah oh, so, but this is uh, Sky Sports oh they're saying a, no they, they they said across the UK and Ireland they're estimating 340,000 but sure, that's not how yeah, can they yeah, guess that yeah. they guess how many was in a pub in Port Leash watching it or in, like, <laughs> oh, so they counted commercial premises and, and guessed the amount of people that would have been watching yeah. they're them guessing it's complete premises. nonsense like okay. I mean that figure to me is just like where was that pulled out of this yeah. spokeswoman whoever but she was but that's zero for like I go back to what you said earlier on that like that's completely understandable you're talking about not only the Wimbledon final and the Cricket World Cup but two of the most exciting like the Wimbledon final was one of the best ever and the Cricket World Cup final like I nearly turned over to it because so many people were talking about it on Twitter at the time that's definitely what would have happened they might have been watching the match then somebody's telling them oh the cricket's amazing so everybody's clicking over Wimbledon's amazing so yeah. it's yeah, it's, it, it's unfair on Sky to, to, to skew the figures like that I think it is unfair well like I mean the, the spokeswoman said it's not just um, about ratings for Sky we're investing in the GEA for the long term we support three grassroots initiatives with the GEA most notable Notably, the Super Game Centres in an effort to stop youth dropout and have committed to investing three million over five years directly into GEA grassroots. So there, like, there's your answer as to why Sky are in the mix here. They're pumping yeah. in a lot of money into the GEA. We know it would be much better on Virgin. Like, there's no doubt about that. It's free to air. Everyone will get to see it. Virgin would do just as good a job with production. Like, she was bragging about Sky's production. I don't see anything special about Sky's production at all. 
Like I was curious to see what they would do with it before they got it. Now they have it. It's nothing special. So mm. it should go to Virgin so everyone can see it. But here's your answer. There's three million over five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why the GEA are taking, taking on Sky. But I do think the laughing at their numbers in the UK... I understand Porrick Duffy kind of threw out a red herring saying we're trying to get the English market involved. That was never going to happen. Like, I mean, give me a break. Sure. Like, I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. So I don't know. I just thought the thousand was a very, very unfair kind of stick to beat them with yeah. that, that Sunday. And I don't think Sky are, are going after the English market either. Like, if you look at the way that they do it, like they've got Sky Sports F1 and they have Sky Sports Darts and like they do cater for these niche sports. They are going after the Irish market and they're playing a... They're playing a long game in Ireland. Like, as you said, they're infiltrating all these primary school kids and yeah. stuff. And then by the time they grow up, watching GA on Sky will be the norm. And that's probably a scary thought. But, like, they will just be used to it, having yeah. gone through all these programmes and seeing it on TV. It's, it, like, it's just filler for them during the summer, let's be honest. Like, I mean, <laughs> this is, you watch Sky Sports News and you would be driven demented after 20 minutes. It's the same yeah. crap over and over mm. again. There's nothing going on. They'll make such a big drama out of a transfer. Like, I mean, yeah. oh, God. And before the throne, uh, Cork or the throne Roscommon game, there was the world fishing oh, fishomania. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, this is the kind of nonsense that's on Sky during the summer. Like, this is just it's filler for them in the bigger scheme yeah. of things. Let's be honest. But anyways, listen, we've we've uh, talked the fishomania. <laughs> we are not getting into the fishomania, even though I want to. Yeah. Uh, right, we'll be back and we'll talk about Kerry Donegal. I work as a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down in Store Street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring at me, hey Coffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> and, and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> So Kerry Donegal is clearly the biggest game this weekend, lads. It's a huge game. Um, kind of interesting to see what Donegal can bring to the table. Are we overrating them slightly? Are we underrating them slightly? It's hard to know with uh, with the Ulster Championship. Let's be honest, because like I mean, what we're having up to, and Tyrone were shell shocked that day. So it's it's hard to know. Kerry, some question marks potentially still hanging over them. Obviously, the fortress is is Killarney won't be there. Their last trips to Croke Park weren't convincing, and how they can manage a completely different proposition in Donegal to Mayo because we know styles make fights um, tactics make good GA Gaelic football games and Mayo's tactics are perfectly suited to Kerry Donegal's tactics are not suited to Kerry at all yeah and straight away like when you, you look at the, the sort of space that Kerry got last week I was thinking about who's going to play this week and Hugh McFadden will just be right in front of David Clifford. Like that, yeah. That's not going to happen. There was easy balls in the David Clifford, one-on-one. Well, now, Mayo did have a sweeper there last, last week. So, yeah. But the problem with Where this is <laughs> it won't just be McFadden, right? Mm. So they won't just have McFadden in front of Clifford. They're going to have two zonal players in front of Geeney and James O'Donoghue as well. That's what's going to happen. They're going to drop back into zones and they're going to give Kerry none of those initial kick passes to Gini and James O'Donoghue and then because they're going to have to struggle for their ball and have to get dirty ball then Clifford 
is not going to get the same quality ball from them having time on it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's a whole knock-on effect of how Donegal are going to set I up. I think we're too kind to James O'Donoghue here. Like he, he just goes out and gets handy ball out around the middle and then he's just carrying it a bit. And I don't think he really like penetrated Mayo. Oh, well, say. he was taken off at half-time. He didn't play well. But yeah. he didn't win all his ball out, of half for, uh, he, out in midfield. He gets ball, he runs and he pops it off. Do you yeah. know, Stephen O'Brien was running with purpose and making things happen, I think. Yeah. so. Well, James O'Donoghue might not definitely start but I'm throwing his name in there as yeah. the two that's in front of Clifford right so they're not going to get good ball to be able to set up uh, to be able to set up good tasty ball into Clifford and they're not going to get nearly I would imagine they're not nearly going to get as much midfield dominance as they did against Mayo either like I think I think the most we might get into it but I think the most interesting part of of Kerry Donegal and this is on the back of Mayo will be like the kickout strategy and how how do do Kerry go the same way? I can't see it because uh, Patton is has way more strings to his bow in terms of kickouts than David Clark has. And I think the fear is that if Kerry do as high a press uh, against Donegal, the Patton will go along as he has been doing, and either like it's with clean ball won by Murphy, McFadden, etc., or they're knocking ball into space, going back to what they did against Dublin way back in 2014. So that that like we I, I think we t- we we tend to forget about Donegal that like as 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 brilliant as they are and progressive as they have been under under Bonner or Rochford in is that they can be as defensive as they used to be if they want to. And I think they were against Tyrone because they they saw the way that Tyrone were playing. They but were they're t- they're going to do it more so against. That, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But so they haven't necessarily done it as much against Cavan or against his Mead. But like I think that. That that and especially with Rashford on board, they they have this 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 habit of 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 really changing tack to play to the team that they're playing against. And as soon as they saw, well, they would have known it was coming anyway. But seeing what Kerry did to Mayo the last day, they're just like, well, this isn't happening again. And we'll just we'll just as you said, not only but one sweeper in. You mentioned the sweeper again that Mayo had Colin Boyle play there occasionally, but we were getting so dominated in midfield that he yeah. had too many fires to put out. Whereas they'll have, as you said, the two in front of the lads inside and the two in front and pack up the space accordingly. Like yeah. so, it's going to be a completely different game. And I don't think conditions are good. I think it, there's probably going to be a bit of rain as well on Sunday, which will probably affect it too. So I'm really interested to see how Kerry and what alternative game plan Peter Keane has to deal with what's going to confront them on Sunday well, well that's the thing in, in Kerry we'll talk about the kickouts in a minute I do take your point uh, we'll talk about it now then so I do take your point that they're vulnerable to that long one but on the other hand Kerry's aggressive press bringing all those players up will definitely cut out that go-to kick out to the wing to Murphy right so that there's going to be somebody out there now Murphy obviously is good enough to still attack it mm. anyways but it's going to make it more difficult for them that target won't be as big as it was against some of the other teams which is just ridiculous now the long kick up the middle for the flick on like Donegal are going to have so many players back Kerry will have a player back Right, so instead of covering the full back line, he has to be covering that flick on. Like, I mean, that is a no-brainer for Kerry. That whoever's playing centre back is to hold the centre back position, and your job on kickouts is that flick over the top. I want you predicting it. I want you out there. I want Ryan McHugh nailed when he takes the knockdown. Mm. All those things. They'll they'll be running through all this stuff because in Kerry's the, in what what Kerry are going to know. They have to know is that Donegal will be defending with everybody except for McBrady. Everybody. Mm. Like Tyrone, that's what they're going to do because they're conserv- they're a conservative team by nature, and Kerry's only answer to that. Kerry are lucky enough in that Thomas Sullivan, he's a wing back. Tyke Morley is a wing back. Paul Murphy is a wing back. Shane Enright now is able to play out there. Gavin Crowley is a wing back. All these lads are more than comfortable that when Jamie Brennan, and Jamie Brennan will be doing it, when Kieran Thompson, uh, when Niall O'Donnell, when all these boys are dropping back into their zones. They have to just follow them. 
they have to just go with them and you can still leave one or two men back but they have to when Kerry are attacking all those zonal lads have to be picking up the likes of Murphy the likes of Thomas Sullivan who are a danger as well or else Kerry are not going to get a kicking game going at all but then is, is that not what Tony Galbert wants them to do is to no, follow see, all these boys into defence you, you see I don't I don't. I think the day of the counter-attack te- right so in hand-passing games traditionally the backs always won because they outwork they work harder than the forwards so do you remember hand-passing yeah. games the backs would always <laughs> win still <laughs> happens so the principle of what <clears throat> Uh, Donegal won their All-Ireland with with McGuinness was that Donegal were fitter and they worked teams when you lose the ball you kind of have to moralise and it takes you a second do I want to chase or don't yeah, I yeah. that's gone out of the game now I don't think the counter-attack is as effective Tyrone were shell-shocked by it they weren't expecting it now I think Kerry are more than expecting it I think if Kerry give away turnovers I think they will be way smarter to this counter-attack and I think they will get bodies back I think they'll push up when they have to and if there's a turnover bang Get back. You know, I don't... I think they will have to be wise to that, but they'll have no attacking game plan if they allow all these zonal lads to play. Kerry can't play that let's play on the outside. They can't do it. Yeah, I'm just... I'm just, I'm just worried that, you know, Donegal will be licking their lips by that. Like, and well, what's the other option? What's the other... Uh, what's the alternative? It's, it's, to leave all those zonal lads there? You don't like the alternative, but it's probably for Kerry to just have a bit of a nerve and just hold their positions a bit more as well and try to play the ball earlier. Tried to win it from the kickout originally. Ah, yeah, from kickouts. I'm talking about when, no, but I mean an open hmm. play. Then, like you know, play it earlier and see, like you know, it either works or it doesn't. It's like win or bust. But you're still set up in position, and you're not going to get overrun. I, th- I know what you mean, and people are like they, they work harder and they're more tuned into it. But when you've attacked and like remember, Kerry's backs have come from down the pitch and they've attacked and then they've lost the ball. Then you're you're going back to so suddenly two runs that you've done. You've gone up the pitch and now you have to get back and defend again against all these Donegal players but they'll back. be doing the same they'll be breaking and getting back then as well I do think right so Kerry are definitely going to have one man because the man in front of Clifford you'll give that to Donegal so whoever who, whoever's man that frees up he stays back at all times so you're leaving one minding the house there right but they're going to have to push up on all the others like they're, 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 Kerry cannot have a kicking game which they like they cannot get any joy against Donegal unless they do that and to be honest everybody's not always ahead of the ball a lot of the time so your two midfielders will still be around midfield for example you'll have that extra defender there there's three across the midfield if a break does happen you know you're talking about pushing up the likes of Thomas Sullivan the likes of um, the likes of Paul Murphy the likes of Gavin Crowley at least take three zonals off Donegal because Donegal are going to they're going to pack that 45 full of zonals. Mm. So you're gone if you don't do something about that. But would you not be concerned that like once once they uh, and Conan's kind of uh, Conan's kind of hinted at this, but like that that if they're too committed to pushing up in that zone, that they leave that if Johnny Gall do that get the counter attack that they're leaving too much space in behind. That's what I thought that they might do differently. Um, I think that uh, Kerry might nearly tempt Johnny Gall into taking, like say the the one kick out that 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 David Clark did for Mayo for example that that, that uh, Kerry counteracted really well was the one that he just is this pop to the corner Cullen Boyle normally kind of runs towards Clark gets it there but you're not in a great position but Kerry kind of counteracted that because they pressed up so high and I thought against Donegal because Patton has just more more kind of range in his armoury that they might look to give them that kick out and then look to get kind of set up not really defensively or whatever but make give the onus on Donegal to kind of break them down as opposed to it being the other way around yeah, but let's like, say, okay, but that's from a kick out, right? So obviously when Kerry are attacking, say Kerry take a short kick out or the ball, Kerry have the ball mm. in general play. Donegal are going to be inside their own 45. They're going to retreat ahead of the ball. 
I think that I think that's the most obvious thing ever that they're going to do because of Kerry's forward line and because of what they did against Donegal. For kickouts, it's obviously completely different because mm. people, all the yeah. players will be in traditional traditional positions more so. So obviously, from kickouts, Kerry don't have to do all this, and Donegal won't have a chance to do all this. I'm just talking about when the actual time yeah. comes where Donegal are camping inside their 45. Kerry absolutely have to be trying to do something about their zonals, and they're lucky that they have defenders that can do that. That's kind of the point I'm trying yeah. to make. Do you, like, so, do they not have time before that happens? Like, you know, the way they played the last day is. is the ball went straight to Moran who turned around straight away and kicked it straight to O'Brien who turned around straight away and kicked it into Clifford would that not be enough time before Donegal I know it's not always going to happen but if they try and play that way and try and play quicker and a bit more on the edge yeah. I think it might be their best way like like you're right like they will have to come up at some stage especially again that's from a kick out and obviously if they win a kick out the 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 the, the, the the message has to be if we win a clean kick out I don't want you admiring I don't even want a mark taken yeah. unless someone's on yeah, you I want God. that move down but even then the they'll have joy the turnover like, this is almost why like, this should be sort of sticking to traditional shape it's like when they do turn it over in open play can they just find O'Brien quickly who can find Clifford quickly do you know rather than like what happens when they bring 14 players forward themselves is instead of looking for Clifford and whoever else they, they start popping the ball to to carry jerseys whoever it is like, well, what do they do if they don't move everybody up they just they, give they, Donegal they, they have to move it quicker they have to look forward no but okay give me a scenario where Donegal have everyone inside their 45 I understand that is yeah, not the scenario Kerry want but if that is there what do they do yeah well that's fine but they don't, but they don't want that to happen is <laughs> no, the point no I'm sure I know that actually why would they want that to that's, happen well, that's, that's their tactic they don't want that to happen so they have to keep a traditional shape to get it moving forward quicker before Donegal let that happen yeah Oh well I would agree on that I'm making up a scenario When it will happen And it will happen several times Where Donegal will have everybody Inside the 45 It will happen several times And, and I still think They should keep a traditional shape Where they still have a halfback line That's protecting McBurty Or keeping an eye on McBurty And not being overrun By the runners That are going to come out Okay See that's a very Five years ago Rory Gallagher Kind of attitude to it And that will no, result it's a Dublin, in it. It's a Dublin attitude It's like don't, don't get caught out By Donegal in 2014 like, it's, it's that attitude It's just keep that shape and like the the boys will attack here, and you will keep that sort of shape and not get caught out by Donegal. But like five forwards versus nine is not going to work. Yeah, and that's why Unless it has to be you... quicker. Like that's, that's why it, has, it could be seven. Like you could have David Moore and everything forward as well. And I'm not saying you have to have six defenders because you'll only have one fullback, minding McBurty, and then do you keep two or three halfbacks in place? Instead of pushing everybody forward. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, we move off that. Um, he's Michael Murphy. So his stats were off the charts. He claimed two of his own kickouts. He tapped down two more to McHugh, and he won two off Mead in the second half alone. So, like, I mean, that's sensational. Um, he's been helped by the continued progression of Patton as a goalkeeper. Um, Donegal won eighteen of their twenty uh, kickouts it's against crazy, Mead. Yeah. It's crazy stats, lads. And that's these something. aren't taps to a cornerback. These are mm. aggressive. Kickouts. So these stats are off the charts. They really are now. They're off the charts. And Murphy's making that happen. So here's a question of what do Mayo do about Murphy? So obviously Aidan O'Mahony marked him before in an all Ireland final, right? He dogged him out of it. He wouldn't leave him alone. Aidan O'Mahony's a big, strong fella. If anyone's seen a picture on <laughs> Twitter of him recently, yeah, yeah. you could grate cheese on this fella's stomach. <laughs> but I don't know who their man is, right? So, like... This is the thing. There is a part of me thinking, do Kerry drop a defender and play Jack Barry? 
and tell Jack Barry to mark Michael Murphy. The, obviously, the risk of doing that is that Donegal will counter that by saying Michael Murphy go in at the edge of the square. Now Jack Barry's in big mm. trouble in there. So how you, because they have, obviously they have McFadden, they have Jason McGee, who are two traditional midfielders, who are your two traditional midfielders will work. And this is how Donegal get joy with Murphy, is that... Um, who does he? Who ends yeah, up marking yeah, Murphy? Yeah. It's not really your tradition. It's not going to be David Moore and, and Adrian Spillane. And, Spillan, and if it is one or two of them, Donegal say, Michael, take an old, yeah. go on into the full forward line for a while. Let's put manners on this little, one. you know. So yeah, I think yeah. Murphy's getting joy out of kickouts because he's he's getting mismatches on who's who's marking him. Yeah, that's it. And I, like like I know he doesn't spend nearly as much time around 14 as he used to, but I just thought that as a potential option for for Donegal this weekend, like occasionally because let's say the way the Kerry dominated the Mayo forwards, they were winning everything out in front. They were winning every individual battle. But I don't think they're really tested. We're talking about the Kerry backline is full of halfbacks. We only mentioned it there how comfortable they are as only, but they're not. They're you know they're not dogs of markers either. Maybe Bartig Morley. So maybe you might see that like Murphy spends just to just to mix just to mess up whatever Kerry plan. Kerry have planned from around the middle of the field to send him in for ten minutes every now and again. The person I thought, and I could be completely wrong, but I just remember seeing um, when Kerry played Mayo in the league. Uh, this is going back twenty eighteen. Gavin Crowley went on Aidan O'Shea and spoil them all night long now right. it, it, like Aidan O'Shea is completely different he's not going to he could do he could go in around 14 like Michael Murphy did but probably not to the same effect but I just like any time I've seen Crowley I think he has that in him he's not the tightest of man markers but like he, you wouldn't maybe have him on Jason Brennan or, or, or somebody like that but I think he might be the man to, and, and he might be more comfortable let's say you know, having to go back in around the square than David Moore and R. Adrian Spillane would be. Yeah. So just haven't seen him do it a couple of times. I think of all the Kerry players in um, in Crow Park against me on the league final, they weren't great, but I thought he was decent that day too. So he was one of the ones I'd single out as potentially uh, being the man that does does that to Murphy on the day. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. And the only thing I can think of is how this tap down to uh, Ryan McHugh works so often. It just must be concentration. You're just so tired that it's hard to keep that focus because like mm. I mean surely this is not a new tactic <sighs> and it's still working that Murphy's flicking it on to Ryan McHugh it's bizarre how it's still working that Ryan McHugh's man is not constantly goal side of him yeah, facing yeah, him yeah. do you know what I mean how can you be getting caught by this in this day and age it must be a concentration thing lads it must be just switching off for that second going jeez they haven't done this all game because yeah. it's maybe late in the game they pull this out of the bag against against me yeah. you know, didn't try it the whole first half <laughs> So then when they do try it, suddenly it's a power play and they're getting a lot of joy off it. And you're right, like, if he gets a second, then yeah, that's all Ryan McHugh needs, I suppose. Like you said it on Monday about him pretending to be tired and stuff. And that probably does just make yeah. boys sort of relax a bit. Like, you know, when your your man's panting beside you. And he hasn't done him. this for 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, and now just, he looks tired. He's not looking for this ball. Yeah. I'm okay. That's when you I want yeah. He's not just getting a tap down to him, like, say, under a break. He's getting tapped down to him nearly all the time, what, yeah. at 100% pace. And Roy McHugh is nearly impossible to stop at that pace. So what, it's just what, weird. What is the one, if you see a tiger, he doesn't want to kill you. If a tiger wants to kill you, you won't, you won't see oh. it. <laughs> That's very cool. Like Ryan McHugh, right? McHugh. <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it is it is interesting. Oh, I think the matchups here, seeing as we all love matchups, um, hope we don't argue about this, is I think Audrey McFerry, McFadden Ferry is a guarantee to mark Stephen O'Brien. He's their go-to man marker. And I don't see anybody else that would uh, mark him. I think Neil McGee would pick up Clifford. Gavin White to mark Ryan McHugh. I think maybe he's gone yeah. wing forward with a view yeah, of marking Ryan McHugh at some stage. Definitely has the pace for him. But what I would do with Gavin White is I wouldn't be Ryan, man marking Ryan McHugh. Gavin White has the pace to make Ryan McHugh think about his game. Yeah, yeah. You know, and go, shit, 
this isn't what I signed up for now I'm chasing this lad and this lad's bloody fast yeah. you know so like Gavin White can't get obsessed with Mark and Ryan McHugh because I was like I mean I've played wing back wing forward I just love being man marked you can't then you just play your own game it's when the other lad gave you something to think Turned about it way. just throws your game off it's like now I can't make the runs I want to make because I'm tired this lad's constantly taken off and now I'm what, Chrissy McCaig versus uh, Dear McConnelly, the big one with Slocknail and Vincent. Yeah. Scored four Score points off Connolly. Lee Keegan against Connolly. Lee Keegan, that's how he messes up Connolly. So <laughs> Gavin White shouldn't Gavin White should man mark Ryan McHugh on Donegal kickouts religiously. But he should definitely when carry of possession, not be too concerned about Ryan McHugh and actually give Ryan McHugh something to Well think stand about. five yards of him goal side at the kickout so he can't get the Oh jack. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um Paul Murphy or Thomas Sullivan and Jamie Brennan, one of one of the two of them, I'm not sure which is more is more suited to them. I would say Paul Murphy the last few years, but seem to be making a man marker out of Thomas Sullivan. So I think that may be what Kerry might do. Any other uh, tag Morley? Is he a potential for Jamie Brennan as well? Just I was thinking Morley's strong. made for made for McBrearty. I have him for McBrearty. Yeah, you yeah. see me closer to goal. A physical as well. matchup for McBrearty, I think. Yeah, and Neil McGee on thing, and they'll they'll leave one sweeper back in front of uh, McBrearty, but not obsessed with it like I, I mean it could be Murphy who could end up being free then as well the, the, th- the thing about the Kerry sweeper in front of McBrearty is Donegal will build build up like if you don't play a full time sweeper do you really do you really need a full time sweeper or will a fella have enough time to drop back into that into yeah. that gap mm. you know that kind of I think that the sweeper shouldn't be right in front of McBrearty the, the extra man should be standing at centre half back to watch the flick ons and be covering yeah. that general area and if it goes into McBrearty really long, you'll turn around and you know yeah. try and double up. On but Donegal don't don't play those really long passes. Like Not really. They're too smart for it as you well. Know, they they did last year a bit more. This year they, see, they don't yeah. seem to be playing those. They seem to want to get people in the position, like and get a few more people to join McBrearty in the full forward line before before they, start they give it in. Yeah, no, that's true. The Michael Murphy one is interesting. Like J- Jack Barry could be a good shout. The only thing I remember uh, against Willie playing Ballanderry and Ballanderry put Connor Nevin on him who'd be the exact sort of same shape as Michael Murphy and you think this is a good shout but Murphy's too fast for him too sharp across the first 10 yards so they actually had to end up moving Gareth McKinless a little sort of aggressive player and he did much better on him you know, just because of the speed right. it's something I think people don't bring into account enough with Michael Murphy how sharp he is across the ground yeah another thing I suppose they could do is like just tell Moran to mark him just from kickouts and on the ground you imagine you put Gavin White on him and ran the ran Murphy ragged you know that kind of way or I don't know there's plenty of things to ponder about that anyway it definitely is a difficult one because he's the third big man in there and he can also play up front so there's definitely something that you have to be wondering how are his kickouts that's so bloody good yeah. there's clearly not somebody that's good feeling marking him the whole time I think the physicality is important as well Like the, Michael Murphy seems to have got the same score in every game I'm watching him this year where he kind of runs down the left hand side just pushes his man off with a handoff pushes them about five yards away then just cuts in and get, gets, gets, um, gets a handy score coming in off his right foot I just go back to you mentioned Jamie Brennan there I thought maybe Jason Foley just purely because of pace and I'm just trying to think if Ty Morty is marking McBrady I'm trying to think who Jason Foley is going to be on I, I think it has to be Jason Foley or Thomas Sullivan I don't think you're going to have Gavin White there and you need somebody with pace to mark uh, to mark Jamie Brennan yeah. so I, th- I thought Jason Foley I thought Foley would be a good matchup for Langan a range, Maybe, tall yeah. range yeah. sort of fella that might be better I think Foley actually struggles on, a, on the top forward like he's been cleaned mm. out a couple of times I wouldn't give him I don't know if I'd give him that responsibility on Foley or on Brennan and Brennan's dropping back too too much anyways although Langan drops back too so like I'd, I'd, I would have paired Foley off with Langan but uh, 
what do I know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stephen Rochford does love a matchup, though. So like, and, does he, yeah? and often loves a matchup that you'd never, you didn't see coming. Well, we've 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 known about it for years, but like, you wouldn't have seen uh, Lee Keegan go on Sean Kavanagh, for example, or Michael Quinlivan, or starting midfield to play against uh, Enda Smith against Roscommon well, that half time. Half forward against Paul Murphy. Half yeah. forward against Paul Murphy. Yeah. So like, there could well be like a rabbit out of the hat that we're not expecting come come Sunday. What was his famous, or I won't say famous, but what was his kind of surprising quote to me that day? You have to. Give some. You have to give something away to get something, mm-hmm. and that you have to. Which I thought was a really interesting thing. He played Lee Keegan there to drag Murphy out of there. So he's maybe losing Lee Keegan out of the game, but he's opening up the space yeah. to Andy Moore and, and whoever else, Jason Doherty. And I thought that was really smart thinking. So I wonder what he'll yeah. be giving so up I, here. We forgot about Aidan O'Shea on Kieran Doherty as well. That was probably the biggest <laughs> of all. <laughs> actually, you know, one, so. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to see what, what will happen. Um, oh yeah, Donegal substitute. So obviously this is going to be affected now because Darrow Boyle, interesting his stats on coming in, came in for Paul Brennan the last time on 43 minutes. He came in in the Ulster final for O'Donnell after 43 minutes. And then I was like, frantically searching for the throne game please be 43 minutes 39 minutes oh, I was like oh man. imagine if it was actually on that minute yeah. was his cue <laughs> it didn't matter who he's going on for so Darrow Boyle my opinion now is going to start instead of Oban Gallagher you'd imagine so that impact and that is an impact lads and that's a pre-planned sub that he's getting in there good and early Owen McHugh came on the last day after 48 minutes Ushin Gallon after 48 minutes three really good impactful subs on for the last you're looking 25, 26, 27 minutes. So, like, I mean, then you're looking at Frank McGlynn after 60, Eamon Doherty for 68, and Caelan Ward after 70. They're pretty late. But those three, if you're bringing on three subs in the 40s, these are impact subs. You know what I mean? These are subs that are coming on for fellas. They're not necessarily tired. They're coming on to make a change in the game. Now Obuel is taken off them. Yeah, and I just wonder, what, will you still keep Obuel in reserve? Because he brings real power when he comes on. And like it's so effective in the second half when people are starting to like mentally get tired as well as physically. And maybe start Owen McHugh, but like we said this, he might not he wouldn't want to start Owen McHugh wing back, so Obeil is the most natural one. It still leaves Gallon and McHugh to come in, but Obeil is a big loss because of the power that he gives you and the drive. Yeah. So we we we'll we'll just finish up on Donegal. I forgot this. Donegal on carry kickouts. So Donegal are more aggressive this year than we than we kind of uh have seen them before now I do I still think that pressing so aggressively on the kick out and then turning around and retreating is just is just dumb if you're up there try and turn it over mm-hmm. up there but again I do think Donegal are going to be very 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 worried about Kerry getting that ball to the other end of the field so like I mean can we see Donegal changing their, their give press? them the short kick out just give, so they're in position them, already give them I think yeah, they probably and will hope, and hope Kerry work it up slowly and then they're in, they're in position Yeah, when the option is there it's really hard to ignore and if, if that's the alternative rather than bombing it out and David Moran who has been so good or was so good against Mayo I think they might well take that yeah. just, it, it's, it's purely about it's purely about being able to as you said you know press up high and then turn around why, why not just press why not just try and get the ball while you're up there but if you're giving it to the corner back why press it all uh, well that's it so, what like, that's what I'll say they'll do they might even, I, they mightn't even bother pressing up in the first place or just give Kerry the easy option and then just let them try and break them down from there the, the, obviously there's a huge uh, like irony in these kickouts. so like I mean it was very obvious against Kerry so Kerry are pressing they're pressing the Kerry kick out to make uh, Clark go long and Mayo, Clark's looking around, looking to go short, doesn't want to go long. But then Kerry, Mayo are doing the same thing to Kerry. 
So if they all want to go along, then let's all go along. <laughs> like, I mean, how can Kerry want Mayo to go along on one hand, but yeah. then on their kickouts not, not, yeah, want, to go, yeah, not yeah. want to go along? You know, there's a bit of a weird one yeah. here, isn't it? Yeah, I think like, Mayo were looking for Aidan O'Shea, whereas uh, <laughs> Mayo allowed Kerry to not have Aidan O'Shea as a problem because he took him off David Moran in that game. That's what, like, the David Moran was against uh, Donald Vaughan. Whereas now he might be up against Hugh McFadden or Michael Murphy. I wonder will Donegal Fanton themselves if Kerry go long. Yeah, so. you be no look I mean, Jesus, if David Moran's on Hugh McFadden, that's a mismatch feeling. Moran will destroy McFadden. Now McGee's a good uh, fetcher and Murphy's a good fetcher. Mm. There I think if, if Donegal allow Hugh McFadden to mark Moran, I would think that was a mistake, no? Just I'm just like you have McFadden, you have Murphy, McGee, Thompson, Langan, like that's just five big units around the middle and just every time I think of McFadden, he's probably not the best fielder, but he's just a like a big nuisance. He'd break it off more maybe, yeah, like potentially. Yeah. Oh, they've they've much bigger team around that middle that middle Donegal. They've a they've a mm. big advantage there. But the thing about Donegal is they're hitting one one of them. Yeah. Do you know it's not like they're getting them around together and bullying like they're still trying to isolate them and Donegal's ability to pull everybody in different directions will be gone because Kerry won't follow those runs Kerry will just allow them run towards them yeah. do you know what I mean with the, zone, with the zone look it'll be interesting I'm really looking forward to going to Croke Park this weekend Donegal incredibly interesting team and tactically flexible and you know kickouts are very interesting you know I have to make an admission I find kick-out analysis terribly boring. <laughs> I love all the just other... Just about 10 minutes with I love all the other analysis. Yeah. I just find kick-outs. I'm, I'm still, even as an analyst, admiring the point. And the kick-out could be going <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, like, yeah. ah, come on, we'll just get it started here. Yeah. I hate all this focus on kick-outs. Kick-out, just get it out there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm still... Never mind if I was playing... Not a hope yeah. I would be tuned into the kick out if I scored a point. I'd be like, my head would be in the clouds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh God! <laughs> but it's true, and a lot of the time, the bloody the RTR sky cameras don't even pick up the kickouts. Do you know? It is it's a very important. I'm not. To do it, yeah. I'm not um, um, downgrading its importance. I just find kick out analysis. I think anyone can do it. I feel bad now because like we sort of dragged you into it. Like you were trying to talk about open play, and then he dragged me into it. His very first one. I'm talking about open play. Yeah, yeah, but from the kick out. I love, I love open play tactics. Kick out tactics, and yeah, not too gone on it. Right, okay, we're back for Paddy Power predictions. Come here, I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds. I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind. Yeah, you probably had a few 15 seconds experiences yourself. <laughs> uh, Break me off, show me what you got, cause I don't want no one minute man. Okay, so Paddy Power's predictions, it's not going to be easy to really long analysis on everyone we went to town on Donegal Kerry there lads so, but that was the interesting game we'll start on Cork and Throne um, kick Paddy, out Paddy yeah. <laughs> will they concede the yeah. kick out <laughs> Cork are 7-2 to two here lads Throne are 3-10 to ten. Throne are minus 4 in the handicap and I think this is buying uh, money for the weekend for anybody that wants to wants to uh, do that is Cork again Styles make fights lads and the worries you'd have for Kerry against Donegal are just amplified for Cork because Cork have only one way of playing Cork are not able to play this other game which was proven by Tyrone in a Park last year who destroyed them Cork like to play good forward good uh, interplay in the forwards which will be completely snuffed out so again it's very similar analysis to the last one it's like Cork trying to make hay on kickouts 
Cork um, not getting the same joy off the inside two lads that they're used to. They're not going to have the same link-up play up front as they're used to. Are they going to be as wise to the counter-attack in a Moor Park last year? They were outrageously bad at that. They had a players' meeting during this year and they voted against this style of play because it didn't suit them. No matter whether they like it or not, they're dragged into this this weekend. Tyrone set the tone. They, they dictate the rules of engagement in this game and Tr- Cork are going to be dragged into a game that they don't like, they're not good at and Tyrone are the opposite. They love it and they're brilliant at it. So there you go, <laughs> minus four. Yeah, I, I think minus four. Yeah, I would love to see Cork having the same gusto and they probably will. Well, but they'll try. Yeah, mm. I don't... Yeah, it's not going to... I guess this could go a little work. bit like Roscommon last year. Like, they were playing a similar style to Cork, you know, leaving forwards up there, liking a kicking game, liking seen as a footballing team. It, it Cork, or Roscommon were energetic and they made mm. a game of it for 15 minutes and then when that first goal went in, they just kept getting sucked yeah. into the spider's web and that, that was it. And I can see this game going in a similar direction. Crow Park... Um, you know it, listen that's where Tyrone played Roscommon last year you could see this being uh, a one-sided game yeah I think the exact same I, I thought that, that, that the minus four was um, was a great bet for Tyrone it's just just it just doesn't suit Cork to play against a team like Tyrone as you said like I like I I'm fairly glad for Cork's sake that they had the meeting and they decided to play that way yeah. you know because it obviously suits them better than what they've been doing for most of the league but the reality is is that they're not going to be able to change in you know just from doing that playing that way against Dublin one week to playing against Tyrone the next week Tyrone are you know just they eat these sorts of teams of life they'd like to play this type of game they're far better conditioned than Cork which I think will make an impact playing to Cork have played how many weeks in a row now and yeah. playing at Crow Park I think this will be at least for it could be getting close to double figures and I hate saying that because I was really impressed with Cork last week Yeah, no it is like I mean and when the players definitely decided to change the system and plus it's it's a, it's a numbers game as well and I've mentioned this when you're playing Tyrone so Tyrone will defend with everybody except for Cottle McShane so they're going to have 13 outfield players defending Cork will leave three up they'll leave Connolly they'll leave Hurley and they'll leave Collins up so they're defending with 11 outfield players. Immediately, their defence is not going to be as good as Tyrone's. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Mm. And Tyrone don't care that three are up there because Tyrone will play a running game to attack whereas Cork's kicking game is gone. Yeah. Do you see where the total yeah. mismatch is arriving here? So um, Cork's defence weaker, Tyrone's defence stronger. Tyrone's attacking game not made any weaker. Cork's attacking game made weaker. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not rocket science here. And if you think about that Dublin game last week with Cork... They exerted so much energy and attack that how many times, especially in the first half, even when Cork were really in the game, there was a Dublin player just standing twenty five meters in the middle of the goals, out from the out from the post, and nobody near him. It was just they were sort of switching off, or people weren't tracking, and I'm sure they like, they were busted. But that's the worry against their own, where they have thirteen players in flooding forward, and I think they'll they'll find all that space, and, and Cork won't be able to track them. Yeah, I don't think Cork will be disciplined enough to track them, and I think the conditioning could be definitely be an issue in the last uh, 20 minutes. On the good uh, plus side for Cork, um, Sean Potter is back on the bench, mm. um, Owen McSweeney is back, and Michael Hurley made a big impact Did you? Uh, last week when he came on, a lively little forward. Uh, Paul Kerrigan is back on the bench. I'd be amazed if he's on the bench after his performance against Dublin. I think that's a little bit of uh, messing there. Then again, I'm not sure Kerrigan is the type of player that suits this game so maybe he could be dropped because he's a little bit on the lazy side I think he's carrying a little bit of uh, weight I don't think his conditioning is good now he's outstanding against Dublin but he pretty much had a free roll oh, he'll be marked against off him. if he starts he'll against be marked. Be marked. and what I don't think Kerrigan is good, will be good at is when the turnover happens 
tracking he doesn't, he doesn't want to do that we saw him trying to follow was it Gavin White or Thomas Sullivan in the Munster final and he just you know he just wasn't able to do it yeah. and he'd be puffing and panting maybe it's not the game for Kerrigan and he could actually be dropped um, but definitely Poulter as a wing back I think in a game like this could definitely um, be a plus for Cork so we got predictions on this as like I said 7-2 to two, Tyrone 3-10 to 10, minus 4 to handicap I think we're all on Tyrone minus 4 here are we? yeah yeah Okay, right. We will move on to Mayo and Mead. So the betting here, according to Paddy Powers, Mayo are four to nine, Mead are five to two, and a handicap here is of minus three. So Paddy Durkin is looks like he's going to be out. It was his quad that he did, mm-hmm. and sure, any pull of a quad. We were talking three weeks. I think that was James Horan quote that I was uh, reading it's an interesting one that Mayo looked a bit leggy against Kerry I think Mayo James Horn is kind of a cocky sort of a manager he plays on confidence and I think that will definitely have been dented funnily enough Mead's confidence will have grown from their very good performance and Keane Ward is right from anyone I've spoken to about that game Mead had to go for goals like it wasn't a nine point game that mm. was and even though you can't take away from Donegal credit for pushing on uh, 1-8 to a pint but it wasn't a realistic, you know, it wasn't completely realistic. You would say that maybe it was a five point, uh, five point win. So Mead will definitely be telling each other that and they'll be building confidence. And Connor, we don't need you to, me to remind you, 1996, mm-hmm. um, there's a load of history there. 2009, when Mayo were very strong favourites to yeah. beat what was an average Mead team without Stephen Bray. Um, and they, lot, they got turned over in Croke Park. Was that an all and quarter final? all and quarter final, yeah. all and quarter yeah. final. Like, have they played since then? I don't think so. Not I don't in championship. Think, not in championship. No. So, like, I mean, I do read into winning mentality versus a mentality of we have, we have a problem beating this team. Yeah, I think so. Like, you mentioned it there, like, uh, like Mayo's defeat to Kerry was absolutely a nine-point defeat, whereas yeah, Mead's defeat to Donegal absolutely wasn't. And, like, Mead, Mead, Mead will just get so much out of taking on a top team in their own backyard and showing that, like, for the majority of the game, anyway, that they can cut it against the type of team that they're going to be facing regularly next year. Um, like, I'd, like, from Mayo perspective, I'm I'm really worried about this game. Like, a, just just on the ground, it's, 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 the way, it's the way it tends to be in Mayo. We got really carried away with a win against what was a bad Galway team. People were really cocky and confident uh, going into the Kerry game. I didn't really see it because, you know, two weeks before that we looked dead and buried and looked like dead men walking. So, um, I don't know, like part of me thinks, the, the, optimist, the optimist in me thinks that everything that could have gone wrong against Kerry went wrong and there has to be a reaction uh, against Mead, against a team that, with all due respect to them, are not as good, against, uh, not as, good as Kerry are. Um, it'd just be interesting to see how they respond how confident as you said they are because that must have been a massive like if, if you were playing in the Mayo full back line and having been cleaned out not entirely your own fault against Kerry where is your head at coming into this game against Mead and stuff and it's only you've only had six or seven days to recover again I'm still like I, I, I'm going to go with Mayo just about as I tend to in, in these instances but like if I'm Mead I'm licking my lips and I'm thinking there's an opportunity here to, to take a big scalp Vaughan needs to go back to wing back, right? That's where he plays his best football and Cohn isn't a good marker. And what Cohn doesn't have that Vaughan has is Cohn doesn't throw his marker off by going forward, where Vaughan mm. at least has that yeah. in his armory. Lee Keegan's form, very worrying. Kevin McLaughlin's form, very worrying. Um, you know, on the positive side, Killian O'Connor and Cohn looked dangerous when the ball yeah. did get into them, even though they were starved. So I quite, quite like to see the two of them in there, left in there on their own um, together. Um, the matchups I can see here from the Mayo side is Keith Higgins will probably pick up uh, Killian O'Sullivan, uh, Harrison on Newman, and Barrett will pick up little, little Conlon fella. 
And I can't see those three getting too much change out of those three. I can see me uh, not being destroyed or Mayo not being destroyed in midfield like the last time. I, I see Mayo winning this. I think that they will be given a, a scare in this. I think the Mayo fans won't. When aren't we? <laughs> I know, yeah. I think this will be another one of those ones. I see Mayo just getting over the line here. Yeah, I'm trying to think about the comparison of the two video sessions that the te- teams will have this week. Like, you know, for Andy McIntyre, it'll be so easy to be pointing out the missed chances that Meath had or the ball off the line, you know, Michael Murphy got away. Just all these things that show that we really gave it to Donegal. Whereas the Mayo boys will be, it'll be a shit show. Like, the, every one of them will be worried about being highlighted because they'll all remember something yeah. bad that they did. Do you wonder, managers, the way they're all positive this weather, do you think that they would, fo- I don't think in the week before another match they'd focus on the negative. No, I it's, think too yeah. it's too close. It's too close. I, I think, think that forensic neg- negative analysis will just be swerved. Yeah. I think mm. Horn will be getting them back in, showing them the good things. Yeah. And That'll I, be hard do you, to do. Do you just... think Clark will be changed for Henley? Potentially. <laughs> No, no? I, I, I don't. I don't. It wouldn't. He started with Henley this year. I know it wouldn't surprise me, but no, I, I, I think he's going to. Um, I think he's going to stick with. I think he's going to stick with David Clark, despite the, despite the absolute horror show in the first half, the last day that like it wasn't all his fault, but like David Clark has to take some of the blame as well because it's just his trajectory. When, when, when somebody pushes, when a team pushes up that high, if you're going to float balls out, like he doesn't have a ping of a ball, he tends to float the ball, and it just was perfect for David Moran, who was running onto it. The Mayo midfielders were static and just jumping them from, at the ball from a standing position whereas David Moore and Adrian Spann whoever were running from 10 yards away and catching this lovely floating ball in the air yeah. but I think that uh, I, I don't know I think it was a big enough statement to having gone with Robbie Henley all year for the main part David Clark had a couple of games during the league he nearly had identified Robbie as his number one and then it was a massive statement to replace him after Roscommon I don't think he's it'll be considered but I don't think he's going to go back yeah there. and pl- plus me don't have the David Moran like Brian Menton's a good player but he's not the fetcher in anywhere near the no. league of of, uh, of Moran and Shane McEntee's not much of a fetcher to have Ethan Devine who played very well against Clare he's an option for kickouts as a wing forward they sent loads of kickouts towards him so I reckon if, if Vaughan goes back wing back he could potentially have the size for him even though we know Vaughan isn't a brilliant fetcher but Ethan Devine's no David Moran so yeah, like, yeah. he'll have a better day at the office so I I, I even though I can see all, all those things and I give Meade a great chance to be in this, I still think, Jesus, Mayo, if Mayo don't win this, it's a t- it, it is a bottle job that has lost this for them. Because when you're going through the matchups and you're going through the midfield battle and you're going through all the lines on the field, they should be winning this. You know what I mean? It'll be, Mayo might never recover if they don't beat Meade in this one. That's the truth. That's get, that's really... Worrying, but... It's definitely <laughs> <laughs> Poor Connor. You're yeah. like Connor. Yeah. Never recover. Yeah. <laughs> Not the first time I've heard this. Heard this in 2016. Right? Yeah. No, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but it would take a lot out of them, lads. Or it will, Connor, yeah, it will. It, would, it, will, it, it will. would be a huge, huge, huge dent um, to, to lose to Meade um, in Croke Park. Last one is Dublin, Roscommon. Oh, so what are we going here? Are we all going for Mayo just to sneak over the line of four to nine. Yeah, just Mead to beat the handicap. So Mead Mayo plus minus, three. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Put Mayo to win. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dublin Ross Common. This is uh, Dublin are one to eighty. Like, is that unreal? These are Connacht. Kind of, these are Connacht kind of champions. Dublin <laughs> yeah. are one to eighty against the Connacht champions. Ross Common are twenty to one, and the handicap here is fourteen. So like we always joke about on this show, is Dublin versus the spread here is what we're going to talk about because we're not going to change our Dublin analysis on anyone outside of Kerry, Donegal and listen to be honest that'll be a spread of 4 or 5 and you probably could you could make a good case of Dublin versus the spread against them as well um, so it'll be Dublin versus the spread 
obviously Roscommon in fairness Roscommon will be able to use their kicking game that they did against Mayo because you know Dublin have a similar style to Mayo so that Cahill Craig on the 40 running over and back and trying to be the bridge man between um, Cox and Murta that will work against Dublin so I can see like Cork I can see Roscommon getting some joy they need Cox and Murta to be better though like I mean and we ha- I suppose we put this into context Tyrone are just Tyrone suffocate the life they've suffocated better forwards than Cox and Murta mm. and they suffocated them um, so like I mean it's it. I can see the two lads getting a little bit of joy I can see it feeding into the analysis of Dublin's full back line you can get joy off them if you attack yeah. them whether Roscommon attack in enough numbers because we obviously know Roscommon's tactics this year are defending with everybody else bar those three so the the way Cork were able to get a lot of joy off Dublin because there was times when there was f- five, six, seven forwards up there mm. interlinking and you know it was really good forward play Were, were they not being encouraged from the Cork game like just we've got clips and images now of, of Dublin being under pressure and teams getting through them and getting chances goal chances that they didn't take Surely Roscommon will be looking at that going, this is the way to do it if we can be a bit smarter and shore up the back line more than Cork did for especially that five minute period. Yeah. We need to get at them. We'll get at them and be a bit smarter. We'll close it up on our terms. We'll close it up for five minutes, get a breather and then get at them again. Yeah, I think from kickouts they'll they'll do that. They'll leave the lads up. Mm-hmm. But like I mean, from general play you'd imagine they would be more scared and plus this is their game plan that they've started yeah. this year with I can't see them ripping it up and going less conservative against <laughs> Dublin no, you no. know this, this game plan has been brought in to not ship hammerings off the likes of Dublin and the Thrones and it worked against Thrones I can't see them changing it yeah. to go like Cork yeah same as like I, I thought like while it was far better than their display against Tyrone last year or far better like that I still thought Tyrone were comfortable from early in the second half onwards yeah. I only saw one winner I think it's going to be the same this time around I think that they won't uh, even though I think they scored something like 215 or 216 in what was a dead rubber uh, Super 8 game against Dublin last year the, the gap probably won't be as much but I, I just see uh, you said you'd kind of need a big game from Conor Cox and Jeremy Murtha like even though like Tyrone kind of sucked the life out of him it just wasn't really happening for Conor Cox either no, so he I'd worry two, two easy frees yeah and even he tried that ridiculous one from the outside the left again that went way wide um, and he just seemed to be kind of lacking in confidence a bit and I'd worry about his ability to kind of reclaim that in the space of just a week so I, I, I see this taking on the pattern of numerous um, Dublin games against you know that level of opposition below them that Roscommon may be competitive for 20 minutes even the first half and then early in the second half Dublin are going to pull away and potentially win by what did they beat Cork by last week 13 points and it was never a 13 point game but you know that's what that's what Dublin do see this handicap makes you think it's 14 and I'm not sure I'm nearly calling the draw on the handicap but the the thing about Cox is it's, it's funny a player like Cox who shoots on sight when they're going over he looks brilliant when they're not going over he looks terribly ordinary it almost looks like he's a liability and like Jesus will you ever just pass it off and like (laughs) stop shooting you know players like him who shoot so much have to be going over Mm. or you're you become almost a a bit of a a laughing stock you know what I mean because there's nothing else to your game other than you're almost seen as a selfish player you've seen it at all levels coming up through the ranks those type of players are like black sheep on a squad because you don't want yeah. them players turn on you very quickly players turn on you missing. but when they're going over yeah. it's obviously different yeah and like when things are going wrong like it did the last day then everyone starts thinking about the work that they did to get the ball to that position 
and then this guy's just kicked it away when it was yeah, never yeah. on. So yeah. demoralised. Bernard Brogan used to be like that. I've seen him playing games for DCU and it's like, Jesus, Bernard. Like, I mean, that was from the sideline. What yeah. are you doing? And Pat Gilroy changed his game, made him a much better all-round player, told him if he didn't start laying ball off and becoming a team player, he was gone and changed Bernard Brogan's game to be a proper all-round good forward. Because Bernard was... Uh, to his detriment because he wasn't making it Bernard mm. because he was so s- selfish at shooting and I see him playing with Plunkett's and I see he's trying a left footer with his back to goals you know like <laughs> mad stuff like yeah. what's that lad at <laughs> and seriously Gilroy completely changed his, his game but just finally on Dublin lads is Jim Gavin needs to stop this messing and this big joke now and the joke's over and Dean Rock starts <laughs> Is that fair enough? I'm sorry, Costello. You've done well against Leash. You've done well against Offaly. You've done well against Division 4 teams. There's no pressure on you. You're kicking freeze. Now we're in the serious stuff. Go back to your super sub role, which you do well in and you're proven. Dean Rock comes back into the team and stop this. Dean Rock's learned his lesson. He's, oh, now he's hungry. We've got all of this. The joke's over. Jim, come on. I think it's happening. I think that's, a, that's slightly harsh on Gorma Costello. I think that, that it's the first bad game I can remember him having. It wasn't great against Mead. Nothing was going right from the last day either. Um, just he was, he was missing freeze. He was fumbling balls. Uh, getting involved in a little bit with the ref and, and his marker as well and it's just like it's just this shadow of Dean Rock cast over him and I think it absolutely has had an effect on his performance That that that's it as soon as Cos- Costello was gone the last day that's it fortunately Cormac that's probably your last start for yeah. Dublin this it, year it, like, it, it's not like you see Dean Rock is not bad off the bench either but it's Dean Rock he has to when he mm. started off uh, his Dublin career he was an impact he was a Cormac Costello yeah. he had to serve his time and so Dean Rock can hit the ground running yeah but Dean Rock doesn't miss freeze. He doesn't, that, you know, I mean, he's a clutch player and now we're into the business end and now it's Dean Rock is yeah. back on the team. You can't have four to five minutes of him not hitting freeze. No. Like, you know, we need him there, three, four, five freeze sometimes against teams so he needs to be there to hit them all over. And Yeah, like Cost, I think Costa deserved the chance because if he wasn't starting again this year, we'd all be saying, Jesus, when's this lad going to get a chance? But, yeah, as you say, like he's, he's, he's had his chance. The fun's over, like Dean Rock. Joke's over, yeah. right. Okay, what's, what's your predictions on this, lads? I'm going for a draw on the 14. I, I, the 14 has me torn a little bit with Roscommon's new system, thinking maybe they could beat it, and then I'm thinking, if you bet against Dublin versus the spread, you're going to lose. Yeah. So I'm, I'm torn here, so I'm just going straight on it. I'm, so, sitting on the, I'm sitting on the Dublin versus the spread fence. Sometimes I actually think Dublin are playing against the spread, like themselves. <laughs> they, they start like you know, ramping it up and stuff, you know, where you think it's under a bit oh, of pressure. Yeah. Well, against Mead and against Cork, the only suspense in the last three or four minutes is, geez, they're nearly on that now. Yeah. They're on it. And you can actually play a little game at home with yourself by just going <laughs> Dublin versus the spread. That is exciting. Yeah, and I think they're playing that game. Because they, they close in on that spread. Yeah. like It's like they start panicking and like the, not panicking but the urgency seeps through the team saying Jesus lads we need three more points here otherwise we haven't hit the spread so I'm going Dublin minus 14 I don't think they play that game but uh, we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll continue on stupid as it is I think that uh, Dublin you, won't beat the spread I think it'll be nine or ten points you think they won't you know Dublin only take it one game at a time alright great stuff lads up next we'll talk to Damien from Paddy Power Damien, how's it going? Not too bad, Colin. How are you? All good, all good. Come here, let's start with my accumulator. Tyrone let me down last week. I think they stayed bang yeah. on the minus four. Yeah, yeah. And Colin McShane missed those last two That's chances. That's freeze, yeah. Um, I know you weren't happy, but we were very <laughs> happy inside of work that they didn't manage to beat the handicap. But yeah, you've kept the faith this week with Tyrone minus four again versus Cork this time. 
and Mayo and Kerry just to win their matches and we're going from 72 out to 5 to 1 on that one 5 to 1 listen that's a good bet now, it, is, right? yeah, it looks pretty solid now it's this solid, week, solid. Fairness, yeah. right okay that's great stuff so we'll start off with or any other specials you want to tell me about before we get into these matches yeah we'll just go a couple of specials across the matches for the matches on um, Saturday evening with Colin McShane and Conan Callahan both score a goal 11 to 2 out of 13 to 2 uh, then on Sunday's matches, Killian O'Connor and David Clifford both score sixes out to seven to one. Um, across the matches, then all eight teams to score a goal is ten to one, which games in Crow Park and there's been a lot of goals recently, so could come true this weekend. I'd say that didn't come true last week. So Ross Common didn't score a goal last week, right? Yeah, Ross Common and Tyrone didn't score a goal. Neither of them did. Yeah. Yeah, I just I think it might be a bit more open this week. Like Corker playing Tyrone, who'd probably be the team you'd be worried about. Yeah. And so it was six out of eight at the same six time. Six out right? of eight. Yeah. So yeah, it's worth a chance. I think at yeah. ten to one for this week. Yeah. No, definitely. Anything else? Um, yeah, well, um, it's quite similar to your special, but we have a special for all the four favourites to win as well. Dublin, Tyrone, Kerry and Mayo just to win 5-2 to out to 11-4. So I'm sure that'll be pretty popular as Very well popular, this yeah. weekend. Yeah, they all won last week, right? So that was, uh, yeah. they all actually beat the handicap except for uh, Tyrone, who were right bang on it. So we'll yeah. start with Kerry Donegal. There's no handicap here. This is pretty much 50-50. You have it priced 4-5 to five and 11-8. to eight. Has it changed since yesterday since I uh, saw that? It's Yeah, it's changed until 8-11 with the on-bond Gallagher news. So oh, we've yeah. just cut it in a bit. 8-11, Kerry 15-2 to draw and uh, 6-4 on Donegal. So yeah, just come in a bit with the on-bond Gallagher news. That got, it's got, Donegal are gone out a bit, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's definitely going to change things a little bit. So what do you see happening here? Um, I think it's kind of a hard enough game to call. Like Obviously, both teams have been very impressive up to now. I think we'll know a lot more about both teams after the game this weekend. Like I think... You can probably, Kerry were very impressive this weekend. You could probably pick a few holes though on how good are Mayo. Like, so I think if they do a similar thing to Donegal this weekend, we'll be looking at them as real strong contenders. Yeah. Uh, one thing I would fancy is I think there'll be a lot of scores in the game. I think over 40 and a half is our line, which seems high, but a game in Crow Park between two teams who are putting up great scores all through, I don't see it really going under. I think over 40 and a half at 5 to 6 is a decent bet. Uh, I think it'll be pretty tight. I think. You probably fancy me with the own Bong Gallagher news, but um, I fancy Kerry, yeah, yeah, or Kerry, sorry, and yeah, the draw is always a runner in these kind of games too. I think a fifteen to two, it's possibly worth a bet for a bit of an interest. Yeah, okay. The other closest one is Mayo four to nine, Mead five to two, handicap here three. Mayo traditionally don't like playing Mead in Croke Park. Yeah, no, um, and they were very poor last weekend. I think Mayo, and when you kind of look back at their form through the qualifiers, you can kind of pick holes in it, like. If you go back to the Armagh game, you'd probably say Armagh are probably a similar enough sort of standard team to Mead. Mead were pretty good for a long time against Donegal next weekend. So I do think you'd have to give Mead an outside chance here. Um, if I was giving Mead a chance, one bit I would like to look off is Donald Cohan is 16th for man in the match. I think he's like one of Mead's top players. He got man in the match against Clare a couple of games ago. And he was very good against Donegal last week too. So he's... Clearly in high form now. I think if Mead are going to win, they'll need him to have a massive game. He's six to one, sixteen, 16 to one. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, I mean, the, the you obviously have Mayo as favourites, and then the man of the match usually comes from the winners. Yeah, so that so, obviously yeah. affects his price, most, right? Most of your most of your man of the match book will be taken up with the Mayo players, obviously. Yeah, so, with yeah, the so it kind of makes the Mead players. Some of the Mead players look a bit big, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Any kind of first goal scorers or anything in in this one or anything you want to mention? Um, not really. I think Newman is eighth one. He's a very solid bet in these kind of markets. He generally yeah. he has scored most of Mead's goals in the championship and. Mio don't look very solid at the back, so I think a 15-2 might be worth a small bit. Yeah, Cork are 7-2. to two. 
Tyrone are 3 to 10. These are yesterday's prices, so correct me if I'm wrong. The handicap here is minus 4, and we're all over this minus 4. Yeah, I suppose just kind of two ways looking at this match. I think the thing about this match is... I think Cork will need to get ahead early. I think if they kind of, if Tyrone go a couple of points ahead and then kind of sit back and soak up the Cork pressure and then kind of hit them on the break, I think you'd expect Tyrone to probably beat the handicap. I would say if you are beating Cork, I'd like to, I'd back them on the halftime full-time market. It's 8-1 for Cork to be winning the halftime and win. I think if they're not winning at halftime, they don't have a hope. So if, if you are backing Cork, I think that's the way I'd like to do it. Uh, some of the other markets, kind of bit interest. Uh, evens over two and a half goals. Tyrone obviously haven't had that many goals in their games, but I think just Cork games you're just going to have goals. I think the way they play at both ends is just going to give you a lot of goal chances. So over two and a half goals at evens. And if I was picking out a player, I'd be picking out Luke Connolly at 3-1 to to score a goal at any stage. Uh, One of the main things I'd be thinking here is he takes penalties for Cork and he's a very good penalty taker. And I think the way that Cork play, it just leads to a lot of penalties in the match. So... I think we've 3-1 Luke Conley any time goal and I think it's 9-1 for Cork to score a penalty and I think they're both worth a bet maybe. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Dublin, depressingly, against the Connacht champions yeah. are 1-80. to It's not unreal. That's yeah, it's depressing it's, for uh, Ross Common and you can't argue with it really. Yeah, no, I suppose the handicap will be where the interest is. I suppose 14 points. It's very hard on Dublin handicaps. Like the last two games with about 50, 55 minutes gone, you'd be thinking, oh, there isn't a hope they're going to beat the yeah. handicap here and then to go and beat it pretty handy in the end. So, yeah, Roscommon plus 14, it's going to be a nervous kind of bet because, like, no matter how close they are, you can't really be sure until the final whistle is blown. Uh, one thing I might point out here is um, Roscommon have still conceded no goals in the championship. And I know after last week you'd be saying Dublin scored five goals, they're going to get a goal. But the two games before that, they didn't score a goal against Kildare and they only got one against Mead. So Dublin not to score a goal is six to one. I think it's a decent enough price for, like, Roscommon do obviously defend the goal area well. And Dublin maybe, apart from the Cork game, haven't been scoring as many goals this year. So I think it's six to one and it's worth a bet. And just kind of link to that, if Dublin aren't going to score a goal, maybe a Roscommon player get the first goal. And Endis made at 16s, I think, is a danger. He's good. He's a good goal scorer. He's going to run through. He's going to get onto the ball and go running through the centre, which caused Dublin problems last week. So a 16-1 first goal, I think that's worth a chance too. Yeah, no, definitely. How much thought goes into that 14? Because, like, I mean, you, you're on the money a lot. So, like, I mean, how do, you, how do you land on that 14? I suppose you just kind of, you think it through, like, what... What you kind of come up with a score in your head, like we have it this week is 20, 28 14, which is like 222 to 111 or something like that, and that kind of sounds about right. And then, like with handicaps like that, you can't be that sure. So, if you're seeing money on it, you would generally move it compared to like the match price and something like Kerry Donegal, you'd be a lot more sure on. But when it's gone up around a 14 point handicap, it's it's very hard to be very confident at that it sort is. of a number. But you get on, you're on it so often. Like people obviously <laughs> think there's hu- is there a huge amount of analytics and you're putting this pro into programs to generate this or is this just a, a good football brain in the office? Uh, well, like there's analytics and analytics will help you and you can you can have a look through that. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to have an opinion yourself. And like com- for this weekend, like the analytics can't tell you that own ball Gallagher is missing for Donegal and that changes the price so you do need to have an opinion yourself at the end of the day yeah yeah okay yeah. listen Damien thanks very much right, thanks Colin alright great stuff we'll be back on Monday with a review show as usual and we'll talk to you then good luck the GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power home of the GA Hour football Acker. 
I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.